following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And it is time for another edition of Mix Shots here on DallasCowboys.com. I am Bill Jones with the Mick, and we've got Cubby as well. We've got Everson Walls. It is the last day of April. We are one week after the 2020 NFL Draft, and it is day number 50. I'm counting the days of this uh, COVID pandemic. And uh, so 50 days into this, it was May 11th uh, when this all started, when the sports world got shut down. But thank God, Mickey, we had the NFL Draft last week. And this is a new look Dallas Cowboys team. Yes, absolutely. Seven new draft choices in uh, March 11th, by the way, Bill. March 11th. I'm sorry. I always get March and May mixed up. You know what? You always got me scared that I lost track of the time. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Uh, What a draft it was. What what a neat uh, production the NFL pulled off uh, with all the teams. Uh, What a neat production the Cowboys pulled off uh, as as an organization. And, uh, you know, and here we are, finally uh, get a chance to talk about it five days later. Uh, but it's still fresh in everybody's mind. And, uh, you know, Everson, uh, I, I, I never dreamed that the NFL could pull it off the way they did uh, so seamlessly, uh, it seems. Well, hey, everybody's going virtual now, Spags. It was, it was, it's, that's what I've been doing. You know, I've, I've been on the computer more now than I've ever been in my entire life. And as an old dude like myself, this is not anything I'm accustomed to, but I like the way the, the NFL made the adjustments. Uh, I, I love the, uh, the raw uh, opportunity to look at the, the, where, the, where the kids came from and the interaction with the parents. You know, when we see them on the draft day, they're all dressed up, everybody's all looking nice and fancy restaurants and things of that nature. Now it was just raw dog, this is my house, my, my curtains are a little stained in the back, you know. We tried to cover up some of the stuff with some other stuff. And, you know, I, I thought that was just very cool. You saw, first of all, how, how personal this, this whole draft was because you heard a lot of very human interest stories that just really kind of pulled at your heartstrings. And that's been going on, obviously, you know, for decades. But it's good that they kind of uh, uh, dwelled on that a little bit for this draft. And, it was good stuff. And along those lines, also uh, the uh, coaches and uh, team executives and so forth, seeing them in their own homes from the commissioner in his own uh, basement, which was, of course, dressed up for television. But uh, in fact, I was talking with I did a little Zoom interview with Charlotte Jones Anderson yesterday, and we were talking about the telecast. And, you know, you had Cliff Kingsbury out in his whatever he's living in out in Arizona. Uh, You know, Bill Belichick with his uh, dogs making the pick. Yeah. uh, and then Jerry on his yacht, uh, and, and as Ooh. Charlotte, as, as Charlotte put it, uh, you know, it was it was someone had told her that this, and she so she admitted she was stealing it from someone. But it was like, so uh, it was like everyone was sort of on brand with what they are like in in real life. And uh, being the chief branding officer of the Dallas Cowboys, I thought that was the appropriate way for Charlotte to put it. Well, you know, and and and, and it continues to happen. 
we, we, you know, the stay-at-home thing, the isolation thing, but it always seems to bring us more together, uh, and we see a more personal view of people. Uh, and again, uh, it happened in the draft. And Bill, you're you're exactly right. It it put a face on the NFL. You know, everything uh, when it's at a stage, it's formal. The guys walk out, they hug the commissioner, they put on a goofy hat, uh, and, and then you know it's like, okay, fine. Well, this, uh, yeah, it just made it more real and uh, made people more real and the emotion more real. Uh, so yeah, and I thought saw, it was great, you, you and, and you know what? And it all worked too. We didn't really lose connection or anything. Uh, flubbed up, didn't miss a draft pick, and you know, and you go through however many draft choices they had. Uh, it, it seamlessly like that. It, it was remarkable. You know, plus you you saw how uh, Roger Goodell has uh, the worst sense of humor I think I've ever heard from any commissioner. <laughs> uh, his jokes were bad. <laughs> And he knew they were bad, but he, I did like his timing. His timing was good, but the jokes were just really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can we uh, clear something up on C.D. Lamb's reaction, Mickey? Uh, yes. Because, because he, there was a lot of criticism out there that when the announcement was made on television that C.D. didn't really have a reaction, uh, much of a reaction. We need to point out that C, that was not when he found out that he's a Dallas Cowboy, right? Okay. Right. I mean, he got the phone call prior to that. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, uh, and again, what, what he, he, he was mad that, that he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys? Are you serious? Uh, now, he may be a little disappointed that he lasted till the 17th pick. I, I certainly I could understand that. Uh, and I saw that in some of the, the other guys, too. It's like, yeah, okay, I just got drafted. Uh, and it wasn't just by the Cowboys. It was other picks, too, that guys thought they would go a lot sooner. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to hide your disappointment uh, in how long you last well, in the draft when everything's live. But I was getting some texts from friends saying, well, he doesn't look like he's excited being a Dallas Cowboy. And so I explained to him that what happens on this is the team makes the call. When they make the pick, they, and they're, make, they're sending the pick in, basically, they make the call. Jerry gets on the phone with the player. And they get on, and then it's, it's several minutes passes by before the announcement is made on television, and that's why his friends and family are all poised to jump up, and, and they're all excited whenever uh, the pick is announced on television. Uh, but but uh, And the players will react different ways once they, the realization occurs where it's actually announced on television, but they already understand that the, the team has already drafted them. Yeah, it's the, I, I it's, think it's what, the old... I think what really, what really went viral, though, was uh, on the phone. (laughs) I know what you guys, you know. You're going to go there, aren't you? Okay, go ahead. I got to go there, man. I got kids here at the house, you know. When I say kids, they're 30-plus years old. But that's what they all noticed. Everybody went off on the the young lady, tried to to take the phone from him, and he on a smooth, I mean a real smooth tip, he just kind of, reached and grabbed that phone from him, like, no, 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 you don't touch that phone. Oh, I thought it was an agent. No, 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 Me no. touching the bad phone, that. right? <laughs> yeah, don't, don't mess with the bad phone. I, thought, I just thought that was, that was the funniest thing. No, the second funniest thing about the entire draft. That phone, her picking up the phone, and then the, the lady getting picked up off of uh, the, her son. You know, the, the, the girlfriend was hanging on the guy, and the mother comes over, picks up the girlfriend by, uh, under her armpits, 
and drags her away. <laughs> like, I want to get in and get, this is my son. I'm going to get a hug. I just, man, that's the kind of stuff golden, golden for the draft. I hope they do this every year. It's, it's reality TV at its finest. It really TV is reality and TV. You know, and you know, and see, since that stuff happened when the camera was flashing, it happened, right? It's the old saying, like, if a tree falls in the forest, uh, and, 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 you know, you don't if hear nobody it. nobody hears it, really it happen. Really happen. Yeah. Right. And the same thing with CD, because that's up to TV. TV's got to be on him when he got the original phone call, like a bunch of the other guys, and they didn't have that shot. <laughs> That's right. That was and good stuff. That was good you, stuff, man. You see those shots on the like the second day of the draft. Uh, you get the uh, the actual phone call reaction uh, yes. a lot of times. All right, let's talk about uh, CD to get things kicked off here. And uh, how surprised were you, Mickey, that CD was still there at seventeen? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, as I was monitoring the draft, um, and they got past the pick twelve. And I said to myself, oh, my goodness, they're going to be able to draft Kalevon Chason. And I put a mm. question mark on my, on my sheet at number 16 next to Atlanta. And I said, if Atlanta doesn't screw this up, the Cowboys are going to get their defensive end. And then as it started getting closer, I'm going, oh, my gosh, they might have a choice between two of them. And you remember how we had been talking, Bill, when – We'd say, you know, this is what they need and this is what they're going to get at 17. And I would bring up, but what happens if by some miracle they're sitting there at 17 and C.D. Lamb's on the board? You know, what do you do? And I think we were all in agreement. Well, take him. Don't take him. He's got to be the best player on the board at 17, no doubt about it. And that's the decision they made. It was like all the mock drafts that they did – uh, Stephen talked about it. Will McClay talked about it. They never had to go through a scenario where they had to decide if CD uh, was their choice at 17 because they thought it was so unreasonable. And, and when it happened, it was like, well, got to follow the board. We got this guy number six on our draft board, the sixth best player in the draft. We got to take him. And, and boy, the, what a home run. Uh, they couldn't have asked for anything more. I'm going to ask you uh, in a bit why he lasted so long, but, you know, the Cowboys ended up doing what uh, most teams do. You're going to take the best athlete available. And it just so happened the best athlete available is in a position that's, that we need. We just lost Cobb. Uh, we realize how uh, diverse CD is in regards to where he lines up. Uh, he can run routes from any position. Uh, I think this is going to bode well for, obviously, uh, our offensive uh, system, especially uh, on third downs, uh, having CD in there, uh, being able to go back and forth with he and Cooper in the slot. Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, we always criticize Dez about, about not being able to be more versatile by being in the slot. This guy kind of uh, checks all of those boxes. And, of course, once, he's, once he gets the ball, uh, he's just a game breaker. So we talked about this a long time ago, Spag. We always talked about the studs that were available at wide receiver uh, in, in this draft. We talked about this months and months ago, and, and here it is. It comes into fruition that this is a guy. But overall, uh, I might be jumping the gun, but overall, I thought this was a defensive draft for the Cowboys. So everything just kind of worked out pretty well. You know, yep. I thought Jerry Jones made a, a, a really good point uh, when he was summing up the draft, and he said, 
I don't know what we did, what we wore, what we, wherever we were sitting, but we need to do it again. Because things just <laughs> fell for them, right? They didn't yes, force they did. anything. It just nope. kind of happened. Uh, didn't have to and, make any hard decisions. Yes. Seems like. It really, yeah. And, and a lot of it had to do, and you were going to say, well, why was he there? Well, I think a lot of teams uh, ahead of him basically started drafting by need. And the more offensive tackles you saw go off the board, you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, the Cowboys are going to get what they want. Uh, and, and teams drafted for need. And, you know, as I said, we got to 16, and Atlanta took A.J. Terrell, uh, the, the Clemson uh Cornerback, it was like, well, all this just fell in their lap. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to trade up. They didn't have to get fancy. It was like, huh. And you know, the funny thing was, I got a question from somebody. Well, with the Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, how are they going to use C.D. Lamb? And my answer was, they're just going to put them on the field. You know, <laughs> we're going to worry about how we're going to use them. Get them on the field. <laughs> You know, just it, put it, the ball in his hand. That's what we're going to do with him. We're going to put the ball in his hand. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and you look at the way things fell. Uh, there were really three receivers, and I, I actually had four. I had uh, Jefferson from LSU up there mm-hmm. uh, along with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamp. And I think there's a lot of teams probably look at those t- top three guys as – you know, it's it's like, do you like chocolate ice cream? you like vanilla ice cream, whatever? I mean, you're, I can see how you would might rank them where Judy might be number one on some team's board. I personally like Lamb the best. I had Judy uh, second by a small margin. Ruggs and Jefferson were in that same mix. But uh, it kind of went to, by need what those teams ahead of them were looking at at wide receiver. And the Raiders wanted a speed guy, and so they took Ruggs. And then Denver, it came down to a choice between Judy or Lamb, and they just decided to go with Judy instead of Lamb. Uh, But even before that, Arizona at number eight, they would have been in the market for a receiver, but they had traded for DeAndre Hopkins, so they went defense with Isaiah Simmons. So that pushes another wide receiver down. And it just so happened that C.D. Lamb was the guy that fell down to the Cowboys at, uh, at 17. And then you're right, and then Atlanta, they're sitting there, They've got two receivers in Julio Jones and Ridley, uh, and so they and they needed a cornerback, and so they took AJ Terrell instead. Um, so it just worked out for the Cowboys. But you can so take you it have, round by round that way. So you have to ask the question: Like, what if what if we would have taken Judy? I, I don't think it would have mattered. I think both guys are, are, are quality players. So it's one of those uh, right situations where it doesn't matter which one you pick. It was all starting to fall very well for the Cowboys. And it's just, it's as if, uh, I don't know, somebody must, Jerry must have had somebody driving that yacht somewhere because, uh, man, he was just sailing along and doing everything that needed to be done. And let's just be real, guys. The hero of this entire draft, my boy Will, mm-hmm. Will did a great job. Uh, very, just a, what do, you, what do you call it? Just a, his temperament is just so calm and even and just to, uh, to, to see him be as successful as he was, just an even-keeled young man. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the way he stepped up this draft. We got Jerry looking good, but we know that Will did all the work. But he wouldn't right. he would not tell you that. But Will is the yeah. one that really and, you know, and, and, he wrote this. And, and, and two things on that. Number one, uh, Bill, you remember when I, I made the joke about the dartboard behind me that if I replaced the numbers with a position and I blindfolded myself and threw a dart, Whatever position I hit, it w- it would be good. The Cowboys need it. 
Well, if you can see up there right now, it's on a it's the bullseye. Uh, and it's C.D. Lamb's bio pinned to the board now because they hit C.D. Lamb. And as for Will McClay, I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, he did a conference call uh, two, two days ago, two days ago. And uh, when he mentioned, uh, it was mentioned to him that Jerry and Stephen called him the MVP of the draft. And, and he went through this, this whole long dissertation of how ownership, the scouts, the uh, coaches, the head coach all came together very, very well and, and did this whole thing. But he said, if I'm going to give an MVP award uh, to this draft, it's my scouts because they scouts. did the yep, legwork. Sure you know, we didn't get a chance to do the 30 visits. We didn't get a chance to do Dallas Day. Barely got a chance to do any pro days. So all their decisions had to be based on the legwork that these guys did uh, throughout the season and how they inform the organization uh, during these virtual meetings that they were having. And he said, without the scouts, we couldn't have done uh, what we did. So, yeah, hats off to Will, uh, but really hats off to him by giving uh, that uh, uh, amount of praise to the guys that work for him. All right, we got to take a break here, and uh, when we come back, we dive into the rest of the Dallas Draft 2020 when Mix Shots continues in a moment. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 back, back, back. to mick shots Starkle on third and three, and another interception goes right to Diggs. And Diggs, who had a fumble recovery for a touchdown last week, has a pick six this week. Jump and throws, and it's intercepted. Trayvon Diggs. 
Alabama cornerback Trayvon Diggs, the number 51 pick in the draft, second round selection of the Cowboys back on Fridays. Welcome you back here to Mix Shots. Bill Jones with Mickey Spagnola and Everson Walls as we break down this 2020 Cowboys draft. And yes, cornerback heavy in the second round and the fourth round with Reggie Robinson the second out of Cleburne, Texas and Tulsa University. And also the Cowboys this week have signed a veteran cornerback Daryl Worley who started 15 games for the Raiders last year, was originally a third-round draft pick in 2016 of the Carolina Panthers. He's been a starter throughout his career. Makes it very interesting, Mickey, the inventory they now have at the cornerback position. Nothing better than competition on your team, right? And uh, there can be no slackers at the cornerback slash safety position. And, uh, boy, when you see those highlights of, of, of digs, that's a big corner. Uh, and, and I think that's what they've been looking for. They want big press corners that can get on the line of scrimmage uh, and disrupt patterns uh, right from the start. And, and the fact that they were able to get digs uh, where they did in the second round, are you serious? Because they had him. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a consideration of taking him in, 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 the, in the first round, uh, actually, uh, until things fell the way they did. So to get him with the 19th pick in the second round, uh, absolutely amazing. And, uh, yeah, he's got some skills. Now, again, uh, as Everson said about C.D. Lamb, you know, there's got to be a reason teams didn't take the guy. And, you know, he doesn't have the greatest speed, uh, his catch-up speed. But you know what? If you don't have to catch up, then, you know, you, you don't have to use that catch-up speed. So uh, I, I just see uh, with the, the guys you mentioned, with Reggie Robinson, the trade for Daryl Worley, uh, and then having Awuzier, uh, Anthony Brown, and, and Jordan Lewis, uh, boy, that's a pretty stout group there. And you're going to see some competition. And I think one of the things when we talk about these guys, and you guys can give me your opinion on, on, on the guys they drafted, uh, somebody's moving to safety. Uh, and they've got yes, some guys with the versatility sure to be able to do that. Uh, and, you know, Everson, after you give us your – kind of summation on what you think of Diggs and, and maybe Robinson, uh, I, I want to ask you uh, about making that transition from cornerback to safety if you hadn't played it before. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you're right, though, Spag. One of those guys, they are going to safety. Uh, but what you saw with Diggs is a guy who has such great technique. Uh, I love the way he gets his hands on the wide receivers. I've seen him be extremely aggressive. I mean, pretty much causing a fight at the line of scrimmage. That's the kind of one-on-one -on -one you want to see. The one-on-one uh, -on -one practices in the Cowboys practice field, once we start getting this season going and, and this whole COVID thing goes by the wayside, you are going to see some of the most intense one-on-one -on -one competitions that you've ever seen in Cowboys camp. And that's the way it should be because you've got bigger receivers in the league these days. Cowboys may not necessarily be one of those teams with the huge receivers, but everyone's concentrating on big receivers these days, so you got to have the big DBs. Great footwork uh, by Diggs, uh, great hand uh, combat by Diggs. I love his skills, his, his ball skills when he gets down the field. Some of the interceptions that you see he makes, he deciphers what the offense is trying to do. Now, that's a nice luxury to have when you have uh, the defensive line and the rush that Alabama had, but at the same time, he's able to work 
with his defense and be able to really sniff out what the offense is trying to do. And, and to me, that's just as important as being able to play one-on-one. -on -one. You have to be a smart player and understand what the offense is trying to do. When I look at Robinson, well, I see a guy who you can tell that he was a transformed safety from going to, and going to corner. I thought Robinson's footwork was a little slower. Uh, I guess he would say smoother, which uh, as a defensive back, that sounds a little better. Hand-eye coordination is still very good, but you can see a little bit of stiffness in his movement. Now, to me, that doesn't negate a good cornerback at all. If he can work with his tools, you know, you're looking at a guy ran a 4-7, so if you can work with your tools, that's great. Uh, but I think uh, Robinson, if, uh, of all the cornerbacks that they draft, that they signed, that Robinson may be the one that looks more, more apt to go to, to safety. He's really rangy, uh, and he's got good anticipation, and he can judge that ball very well when it's in the air. So we're looking at uh, turnover uh, cornerbacks, okay? We're looking at guys that, are, that look for the ball, they're looking for fumbles, they're looking for loose balls, and they can go up and get interceptions. So hopefully this, this whole drought about the Cowboys secondary and not getting interceptions, I'm hoping this crap is over because I can't take it. Guys, I'm just letting you know. I can't take it. Not another year of this. I can't. So, Bill, what did the big green uh, notebook have on these corners? Well, uh, let me tell you about uh, Reggie Robinson the second. And, in fact, you talk about picks. He had four picks for Tulsa his last year there. And uh, Diggs had three for Alabama. But I, I talked with Reggie's dad uh, this week, Reginald Robinson, who, uh, by the way, is a Grambling man, just like our yes, Everson sir. Walls. Yes, sir. He, he played at Grambling. I think he, he said he graduated in 94, 95, I think. Yeah, but he, uh, but um, he said that he told Reggie four or five years ago when he started at Tulsa that Byron Jones is the guy he could be like. Okay? And when you look at Reggie's uh, numbers, like at the Combine – well, uh, his dad told me that before he put on 15 pounds here in the last couple of years, he was running a 4-3. Okay, he ran a 4-4-4 at the Combine. Mm -hmm. uh, the 11-foot broad jump, it's not 12-foot like, uh, like Byron Jones, but no one has a 12-foot broad jump like Byron Jones. The 22 bench reps, wow. I mean, that's something. Um, for a for a cornerback safety that's whatever the weight gain came those are that's yep. muscle that's yeah, muscle exactly that's, that he's yeah exactly, exactly. and uh, so but you think about Byron Jones he at UConn he played both corner and safety and I I, I agree that uh, that he's probably the most likely candidate to get reps at corner but I'll throw in Daryl Worley in there as well all three of these guys are in that six one two oh five vicinity Worley that he's now listed I think at two fifteen. But I, I looked at some of Daryl Worley last night in their game against Kansas City last year with Travis Kelsey at tight end, of course, for Kansas City. They got killed in the game, obviously. But Worley was playing outside at right cornerback, uh, matched up against Tyreek Hill a lot in that game. But he was playing in the nickel. A lot of times they matched him up one-on-one -on -one with Kelsey, and he had a real good game against Kelsey. And he played some deep safety as well uh, for the Raiders in one of their sub-packages. Uh, so he's got some ability to play the safety position also. You know, Bill, now I was let's, talking let's to... Let's be clear, guys, before we go on, Spag, excuse me. You are not just looking at these guys for being maybe starters or contributors defensively. You're looking at some good special teams pro uh, prospects as well. 
And the Cowboys really fell off as far as special teams last year. So you could see that as they're picking these, these studs here, that defensive back wide receiver, I think they're also looking at them to contribute all over the field, not just in the defensive uh, part of the game. Well, and Everson, good point on Reggie Robinson because he did play special teams uh, at Tulsa. Uh, matter of fact, he's, he basically said he had been on all of them. Whatever special team there was, he was on it. Uh, and I think, he, if I remember correctly, Bill, he finished his career uh, with four block kicks yep, uh, did, right. at, at Tulsa. So, yeah, special teams important. The key thing on, on Worley, uh, and, and I was talking to Will McClay about it, you know, he – he did move inside and took took on uh, the tight ends at times. Uh, and towards the end of the season uh, this past year, uh, they the Raiders had problems uh, at safety with injuries, and then they released uh, DJ Swearingen. And the, the last couple games, he made the transition to safety, and he started at safety. Uh, and and I and I saw an article he was talking about uh, playing cornerback and. And he thought that, you know, playing quarterback, cornerback and preparing for games is difficult because now you gotta, you got all these things you got to worry about. He goes, but he felt like the transition to playing safety was a lot easier uh, it is. To, to be able to pull it off. Is. And I was going to ask Everson because you had to do it. Did you ever play safety before you went to the Giants? Uh, I played safety in high school. I was okay. not a cornerback until I got to Grambling. I was just trying to get a spot at Grambling. They had me at safety my freshman year at Grambling as well. But when it came down to it, if you're going to make the team at Grambling, you got you got to keep up with these jackrabbit wide receivers that I had to deal with. <laughs> so I was forced to play cornerback because finally I got good at it from just going one-on-one every day. So, yeah, going from that immediate confrontation face-to-face, you're, sometimes you're breathing right in each other's faces and having to deal with the chaos, the quickness, uh, having your back to the ball. All of those things can be very uh, uh, stressful as a cornerback. But as you move back away from that and go into safety, then all of a sudden there's no immediate threat. You have a chance to survey the situation. Uh, sometimes you can really decipher what's going on offensively. Uh, so, yes, Playing safety is uh, very good as long as you don't have to hit somebody. So that was my problem. When I went to safety with the Giants, that's when all my injuries start to pile up. So, yes, going to safety is easier mentally, but physically, that's a whole other issue. You know, and I think okay. the other thing we need to point out, Bill, is the fact that, you know, they like Xavier Woods at free safety. You know, I, I think there was this idea – that, boy, they had to draft a safety. you got to get better at safety. Uh, but they like Woods. And, and then they did, you know, a one-year deal for HaHa Clinton Dix. So, to me, he's sort of a bridge for these other guys possibly moving back there and, and, and providing some depth. And they needed – they did lose uh, Kayvon Frazier yesterday uh, in free agency. And, and obviously, they, they weren't in a hurry to re-sign him. Uh, so, again, w- when we're talking about moving these guys, I think everybody thinks you're moving them and you're going to start them, right? Well, you know, they paid Dick's $3.5 million a year for this, this coming year, uh, and I'm assuming they, they brought them in as, with the idea of starting them. Now, there's going to be competition, and, he, you know, it doesn't automatically go to those guys. Uh, but they do have those two guys there, so whatever they're moving there, 
you know, it could be more for a debt situation than anything else. Uh, and then, you know, let's not forget Donovan Wilson. He had a pretty good training camp uh, and then just didn't get many opportunities once the season began. But they really liked him and liked his ability to play uh, special teams too. So from a safety standpoint, even though they didn't draft somebody, uh, it looks like they're in pretty good shape with guys being very versatile, able to do different things. You, you know, a lot of people we, we focus on this year, but the, why they had such a need at the cornerback position and, and, and at safety for that matter is because you got so many players are going into the last year of their contract. Uh, so many starters going into the last year of your contract. Let me ask you this, Everson, what do you think? All right, you got Worley, who started 15 games last year for the Raiders. You got Trayvon Diggs, the second round pick, who uh, was a wide receiver, mind you, his freshman year at Alabama, and has two years of starting experience in college at a very high level at Alabama, but just still just two years of experience at cornerback. And then you got the starters coming back in Cheeto Awuzie. You got Jordan Lewis. You got Anthony Brown at safety. You've got Xavier Woods. You got Haha Clinton Dix. My question is if they were to trot out there here in a couple of weeks with OTAs, who is your starting cornerbacks on this team? If I were to, if I were to pick the starting cornerbacks, uh, I would have to go with Awuzie. Yep. I'd have to go with Dix. And, 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 and include the nickel in there also. The, if I'm going to include nickel, then yes, I would, I would go with the experience. I'd probably go with Brown in the slot. And Jordan Lewis? J- Jordan Lewis, ah, that's a tough one. <laughs> the only thing about Jordan, man, what great experience in the slot, but man, he's so small. Yeah, I, I think if you're going to look at the experience he has, that's one thing. But if I'm going to go with the intimidation uh, uh, aspect of it, I want more physical cornerbacks out there, physical cornerbacks and safeties. And if you're going to talk about the safeties, and I know you didn't ask me, but if I'm, I'm going to tell you anyway, I'm looking at how, how Clinton Dix is moving closer to the line of scrimmage. I really am. I'm looking at him being what Woods was for us last year. Uh, when you have that kind of experience in that position, you have a chance to make a lot of plays, especially uh, making a, a, a uh, for plays that are behind the line of scrimmage. You're also looking at uh, trying those, those uh, situations where a wide, a cornerback or a safety can really be important on third down, not just from where they're going uh, against the slot. I'm looking at a cornerback being on the slot, but when you have a, a, a veteran safety, he can be filled in in so many places. Yes, he could play the tight end if he wanted to. He could play free safety if he wanted to. You're looking at a secondary right now that could be extremely physical, but also extremely smart, extremely ball conscious. And that's what I'm hoping they were going for when they win the draft. And, you know, Bill, you mentioned, uh, you know, talking about three starting corners. I, I, I think what they've done here is they've strengthened their nickel defense and given them a more opportunity to be better playing dime. Uh, with a lot of these guys that can play in the slot along with the guys that can play outside. Uh, so I think that improves your pass defense. And, you know, as, as they were talking in post-draft uh, press conference, Will talking about the guys they saw, the defensive linemen that they brought in, he said, you know, this, this is no longer, you know, an NFL that's three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, you got to mm-hmm. be able to be athletic you got to be able to get to the quarterback. 
Uh, and, and because of the passing game, you know, you've got to have three starting corners. And if you can put four guys out there, including the safeties, to play in the slot uh, the way the Cowboys did back in the 90s when they had Darren Woodson, a safety, playing in the slot. And I'm not saying these yes. guys are Darren Woodson, but the ability to put a big guy in there that not only can cover but can stop the run, you can say, okay, I'll go dime here because it's almost like i got another linebacker in the slot. Let me let that, make that, another that's point. That's kind of what Belichick did with us when we were in New York. Uh, he brought me in, even though I, I came in and started at corner. You had three big corners there because I took Perry Williams' spot. But when it came to third down, Perry comes in and plays his regular corner spot. Then I went into the slot. So you, you, that diversity that you have, you know, that can that can do a lot for you when it comes down the stretch. Plus, we have a lot of depth in the secondary right now. So. If we have any type of injuries or something like that, you've got some guys that can just step in right away and be able to play ball. These young kids nowadays, they're ready to play now. They're ready to play now. This is not one of those things where you've got some guys coming from some small school, you know, and he, he's, he might make it or he might not if somebody drops off. No, a guy like Diggs, he's ready now for, for NFL. He's ready right now for the start of the season. A guy like, to me, a guy like Robinson, He's ready right now for the start of the season. I don't care where he played in college. This guy's a stud, and uh, he was one guy that could make an impact uh, for the Cowboys as well. As long as his training camp's good and he's able to make some plays, he has just as much potential as Diggs does to make some plays on this team. Hey, well, one other point that uh, one other point to, to factor in this year, though, since they are not having workouts at the facility this offseason. And this is, I think, one of the beauties of this Worley signing who, had, who started 15 games last year for the Raiders. If Diggs isn't ready from a mental standpoint to start the season as your starting cornerback, you've got Worley there who has starting experience. And so that could factor into things as we get yes. into training camp in August. They, these rookies haven't had an offseason program to get acclimated into the National Football League. All right, we continue with more mix shots in just a moment. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more, do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. 
Dr. Pepper stack from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back, back to mixed shots. Hey, we all know that we need to tackle age like a pro. So you need to go to getjackblack.com. And this week's special, you get a free Pro Series set with your $65 purchase. And one of the things you get is Protein Booster Skin Serum. This little deal right here will revitalize your face. The other part of the free gift set you get is the Protein Booster I rescue if you got lines or bags this thing will tighten you up so go to getjackblack.com and get these products free with your $65 purchase Mickey you've been using any of those products? I've been trying I don't know if they're working but I think so yes I gotta tackle aging just like the rest of us hey so uh, I, I didn't know spittle could be virtual how did how'd you do that uh, Spags? <laughs> That's Did I get you? Good. You got me, man. You got All me right. right in the eye. Well, see, <laughs> virtual can be real, right? <laughs> All right, let's talk about more about this draft. Let's get uh, deeper into it. Uh, and how about let's let's fast forward to what they did trading up to the late fourth round to take a center from Wisconsin. Tyler Biadas is a Dallas Cowboy, and he was the Remington Award winner last year. I thought that was a shrewd move, giving up a fifth-round pick next year. Okay, uh, lost lost my hearing there for a minute, but I think Bill was talking about the center, Biadas, and... Uh, Boy, no, you know, badass, badass. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> going into this draft, and everybody was given their needs, and I kept saying, "Well, what about center?" Uh, and, and, and when you looked at the center position, the guys that are on the roster right now, and I understand Joe Looney did a nice job starting uh, for Travis Frederick in in 2018 when he missed the entire season, but mm-hmm. he, he's kind of a guard center, okay, and he's a really nice backup. But and then there was all this talk about moving this guy to center and that guy to center and Adam Redman coming back. And I kind of looked at it and I said, okay, fine. Did any of these guys we're talking about being the Cowboys' starting center actually start a game at center last year? And the answer was no. So to me, they needed to go out and draft a center, somebody who played center last year. And, and they found the guy that was the Remington Award winner at Wisconsin. Uh, and, okay, I know three centers went ahead of him, but they had a high grade on Tyler. And, and, and I think that was a, a, a wonderful move to give up a fifth in 2021 uh, to move up into the bottom of the fourth round uh, and get a center. And, by the way, that fifth is not going to mean anything because the amount That's of guys right. they lost in free agency – they're going to make it up with compensatory picks. And I saw one story last uh, the other day that's already projecting 
who's going to get compensatory picks by what they lost. And they had the Cowboys projected to get a third, fourth, fifth, and a sixth. So uh, that, that fifth doesn't mean anything. But to have a guy that played center last year on your team, and especially if there's no offseason for these guys to make a transition from playing guard like Connor McGovern or Connor Williams to center, or Adam Redman who, who spent the whole season uh, on IR, uh, to have a guy that actually did it I think is huge. To me, it's kind of like uh, taking a, a safety and saying, hey, you go play corner. You know, we, we realize that the, the, how shorthanded he might be uh, in a lot of different situations because that's just not his true position. When you're playing center, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's self-explanatory. Your position is the center of everything uh, that's going on on the field offensively. And so that center has to be extremely intelligent. He has to know the system back and forth. And it has to be something that he's been instinctly doing for at least four years. Uh, it's a lot of nuances that go with being a center that a guard or a tackle or a backup may not be able to take care of. But when you have a true center there, then it's just a, a seamless transition from going from college to pros. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, and the thing on uh, Biotis is – uh, he played at a very high level at Wisconsin, which, of course, has produced so many NFL offensive linemen. Uh, really, Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan, would probably uh, be the guy that's ranked number one on most everybody's board. Uh, he was a parade All-American five-star guy coming out of high school. Uh, but Biotis was right there with the other centers that went ahead of him in the draft. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, Matt Hennessy from Temple, the knock on Biotis was the medical because he had a hip surgery a year ago. Mm -hmm. He had a shoulder surgery this year. Obviously, the Cowboys doctors passed him. They felt good about him. Uh, otherwise, they would not have given up, even though the price is not that high, as Mickey uh, mentioned, with the fifth rounder next year with so many compensatory picks coming. Uh, but for the, they wouldn't have traded up to, to try to get him uh, if, uh, if they didn't clear him medically. And so I think they feel good about it. And I think he's got a good shot at coming in here if he's healthy uh, because of all the reasons Mickey cites right there, uh, his experience at center to be able to start as a rookie uh, in this league. How about uh, Neville Gallimore, the third-round pick, Robert Anai, the fifth-round pick. They, uh, they improved the defensive line there. Well, Bill, Gallimore's your guy, right? I, I like Gallimore, and especially where they drafted him uh, with the 82nd pick. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it seems like a very athletic guy uh, on, your, on your defensive line. Uh, they like the fact that he, he's got very good lateral pursuit, uh, and, he, and he's a guy that's he's on the come. Uh, you know, he, he played football raised in Canada and, and, you know, and got to college here and uh, so this guy's got a lot of room to improve, and there's a, an example of his lateral pursuit, uh, and, and, and he's got a great motor. So uh, to combine him here uh, with McCoy, uh, and, and you know, and we'll see where Tristan Hill uh, lines up, uh, but they've got that spot now, I think, uh, solidified to the point where if they need to at defensive end and you need a big defensive end on the right side, then Tyrone Crawford's your guy with experience uh, over there. Uh, and I'm told he's ready to go. Uh, he, he's, his rehab is going greatly after the two hip surgeries. So that even fortifies that spot 
not knowing uh, if you're going to get Alden Smith or Randy Gregory on the field. So I like the pick of Gallimore. And he was another guy, by the way, Everson, that they considered in the second round and said, okay, maybe we can get the corner in the third. And then they decided to do it the way they did. And then Gallimore was still there. You know, what, I, what, I, what, what really stood out for me with Gallimore was his 40-yard dash. 479. 479, yeah, I, yes. I ran a 4.74, and I was 190 pounds at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, what if this big guy was chasing me and he had an angle? I, I'd be dead. So I, I, liked, I liked the signing. I liked the athleticism that they were going after. Uh, it wasn't just the speed. His maneuverability was very impressive. Extremely active inside. This guy is amazing the way he makes the play. But what I did see, and I know Bill's going to cringe a little bit, that that, off, that uh, Oklahoma defensive line just really fell off a little bit at the end of the season. And I'm wondering uh, if his inconsistency had anything to do with that. Because I would imagine if he would have been more consistent, then maybe that entire defensive line would have been more consistent. But I say with the tools that he has, we can make this guy be something that he may not have been in college. He can maybe be more consistent, uh, maybe if you just teach him a couple of things here and there, because he's highly skillful at what he does. And that's something that I think we need inside. And that kind of speed, uh, chasing people down the line, we could use that because, trust me, it was a lot of people going down the line last year and missing every running back that came through, especially after Thanksgiving. So. Yeah, we're looking at trying to shore that up. A little bit light in the butt, though, guys. At 3.04, I think he was. Yeah. That's, that's kind of small for an a, 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 a inside guy, but I guess that's why he's got such speed and maneuverability. You know, I also like the fact that uh, he comes in with Gerald McCoy, uh, similar backgrounds, uh, being at Oklahoma. Uh, where McCoy can be sort of a mentor to him as well. What about Robert and Knight? You talk about the contrast. You talk about Gallimore and his 47940. Well, here's Robert and I, and the reason, I assume, the main reason that he fell to the fifth round was the fact that he ran a 491 at the combine, yeah. and his other measurables were not great either a 744 cone drill and a 443 shuttle. You know, what I saw on him, Bill, is that he actually had a pro day at Utah and improved that. Uh, 40 to 479 so uh, I think I don't know if anybody looked at that the other thing that was pointed out about him and Will McClay had a really good scouting report on him he said he said some guys don't time fast but they play fast and he said if you look at this guy's tape he plays fast he plays fast because he's got desire and he plays fast because he's got football instincts uh, so, again, uh, th- that 40 time didn't bother the Cowboys maybe as much as it bothered other guys. Hey, this guy was an All-American. He yes, set the he record at Utah Thank you. for sacks. So he yes, did he something did. on the field. So, again, you know, Everson, when we were talking about this virtual stuff, maybe sometimes the, all the, the measurements and the testing kind of went out the door and you had to rely more on tape. And this guy, I saw he and I never heard of this award, but it was he was awarded the Morris Trophy, and yes. it was for the best defensive lineman voted on by offensive linemen. And this That's guy, correct. Won you the saw award. that, Spags. That's good stuff. Yes. <laughs> so, and the other thing I like about him is that in junior high, now he he was raised in Hawaii, uh, Lai, uh 
Hawaii, and uh, he learned in junior high to cliff dive. And he says he can do a double back flip off a 50-foot cliff at 260 pounds. So maybe that would be another way to get to the quarterback, right? Just kind of flip no, no, up in the air and go get that him. Should be, that should be part of the combine, see how many people can do that. Yeah. So that's, that's what I like about this guy. And see, what we went after on that, on, in the two draft picks, energy, high energy these guys uh, possess in every game. Their motors will never stop running. And that's good. That's a good thing for the Cowboys because Mike Nolan loves to uh, an athletic defensive line. He's going to be coming with a lot of blitzes. So this defense, if nothing else, it won't be boring. We're going we're gonna to be a make-or-break defense no matter what happens. And hopefully we can be more make than break. All right, Mickey, I think we just got uh, less than a minute here. You got any final words that you want to leave us with? Well, I, I, I did see uh, a story, and Bill, you kind of alerted to me, talking about Alden Smith, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he hadn't played in five years. He's been working out, uh, and he's been working out at Jay Glazer's uh, performance uh, training site uh, in L.A. And you mentioned to me he, he became, uh, he moved up from a, 260, 265 pound defensive end uh, to 287 pounds. Well, mm-hmm. it's not wasted weight. Uh, Jay Glazer was quoted as saying, "The guy has become monstrous. He's become, he's put on uh, strength. He's put on muscle, uh, and that they got some uh, training exercise they do with." Uh, pulleys against the wall, and he said, we've had all these big guys working on this one technique, uh, this one uh, exercise, and he said he's the only guy that's pulled the entire contraption off the wall uh, because he's gotten so strong. So maybe 287 as a pass-rushing defensive end won't be bad. All right, my, my assignment for you, Mickey, is find out by next week if he's still an edge rusher or is he... Closer to a one technique. Okay, that'll okay. be my uh, workout, my uh, workout, right. and my uh, assignment. Right, Home all right, assignment. All right, for Everson Walls and Mickey Spagnola, I'm Bill Jones, and we'll see you again next week at 11 o'clock Central Time for Mix Shots. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!